Staffing is tight. You just worked an extra 16 hours this week to fill the holes in the schedule, which looks like Swiss cheese on paper. Then, in walks someone new that you never met. He sticks out his hand, shakes firmly, and proceeds to explain that he just moved to the area and once worked somewhere as a provider and needs a job. So, you run to the office, grab the application, and tell your new friend to fill everything out. Shouldn't be a problem, you say. Scan over a copy of your certifications and we'll be back in touch with you in a day or two. Sounds like an easy fix for a new employee, doesn't it? Not so fast, as we explore the new guy syndrome in this edition of the QMC Board and Collar. Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Collar podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvat. So, the new guy produces valid training and course completion certificates. By the end of the week, he's hired. He orients well. He checks out with the medical director and you give him the green light to fill those holes on the next schedule. Job well done, right? Well, not so fast, folks. You may or may have not heard of this next step, but there's one more check that you need to do to protect your department before the new guy can hit the street. It's time to access the Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General's list of excluded individuals and entities. This is the list conveniently located online. It has a lengthy address, so my suggestion is just Google exclusion list OIG and you will find it easily. Once you've accessed the website, it's all very simple. Enter the new hire's name first and last and hit the search button. The site will bring up any name match or similar name match. If there's a possible match, then the person doing the search can simply click on the verify link next to the person's name, where the site will then ask you to enter the person's social security number. Once the social security number is entered, the site will then either confirm a match or it will advise the person doing the search that there is a mismatch, which indicates that while there was a hit on the name, it most likely was a different person. So, by now you're saying to yourself, why do I need to run this check? Are you aware the Office of the Inspector General has a mandated requirement for any healthcare entity, including ambulance services? So, by now you're saying to yourself, why do I need to run this check? Employing any single person, even if they are a volunteer who is on the exclusion list, will result in both the requirement to refund any Medicare or Medicaid dollars paid to that entity during the time of the employment or volunteer involvement and possibly can result in civil monetary penalties being assessed against the department as well. That could amount to huge dollars depending on the size and the scope of your EMS department's reach in the community. Remember, the list contains those persons who at some point were identified to be involved in some kind of fraudulent or abusive activities against the Medicare or Medicaid system. These people have a verified history of infraction of some magnitude which prohibits them from being connected with a healthcare entity that receives reimbursement dollars from the Medicare or Medicaid programs. The OIG has flatly stated that these persons cannot be connected in any way to a department that receives reimbursement dollars from these programs and applies regardless of whether or not the provider actually was involved with furnishing the services. 
It includes anyone that is part of your department, whether they are directly involved in patient care or not. With this in mind, we suggest your EMS organization does the following. One, verify all new hires by running their name against the exclusion list. Do this before they are hired. Two, no new hire hits the streets, sits in a chair, picks up a broom, or sets foot in the station officially until they've been verified to not be on the list. Three, periodically recheck all individuals in your department on a regular basis. Four, if possible, run checks on the people you connect with. At the very least, be sure to include language in your contracts that clearly states that those entities can verify persons you interact with who order and sign off on transports have been verified to not be on the exclusion list. Remember, it's your department's responsibility for returning a payment if the facility representative has been excluded, not the facility. Finally, folks, please know that only you can set these steps and motions to protect you and your organization. If you're not doing this, do it today. I hope this short presentation today provided you with important information as it relates to the OIG exclusion list. Pay attention to it, use it often, and verify that your employees are not on the list for both the new guy before he starts his job, as well as for your existing staff at periodic intervals. Thanks for attending today. I hope you found this information helpful. I wish each of you a great day and hey, be safe out there.